Oh, my name is Antony Richards, better known as Chips Richards. I have been in the record industry well over 55 years, 50 years. And uh, I played a fundamental part in the early development of the record industry in England. Uh, I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, well, Denham Town, Western Kingston. I was very close to the Chocomo Lawn where the birth of reggae really started. I came to England in 1963 and I lived in Shepherd's Bush. Then I moved back over into Brent. I moved to Brent mainly because of uh, accommodation existence. I integrated into the reggae industry. I had a very early start with Owen Gray and Denzel Dennis and a group called the Classics. 1966-67 was my first set of recordings done in Tony Pike's studio in Tooting Broadway. I moved to Brent because of suitable accommodations uh, and uh, eventually Brent has developed to be the hub of Jamaican music industry where we had at least 10-15 record, small record labels operating from Brent at the same time which I was one of the leading ones. I had at least pretty near 100 albums released under my control in Rockledge Avenue in Harlesden, Borough of Brent. Well, I had an early start, as I said, with Owen Gray. Uh, I've been an Owen Gray fan from Jamaica and a Derek Morgan fan from Jamaica. We were close friends and uh, it was inevitable after the pioneers came to England, I would have integrated properly into the industry. I became marketing and promotion managers for Trojan. When Ireland separated from Trojan in 1972, that's when I took root and developed from there. Eventually, I ended up owning my own 24-track recording studio in Rockledge Avenue 154, where I have, well, my company has released more female artists than any other company in England. And that's a 24-track recording studio, which I had for about 24, 25 years in partnership with Linda Lewis. Well, the leading record company, the fundamental developing company that uh, created uh, reggae into a phenomenon was Trojan Records, and that was number 12, Nisden Lane, where the courthouse is now. That was the spot that Trojan had its offices at 12 Nisden Lane. I became marketing promotion manager there, and uh, all avenues branch off from there after the liquidation of the original children, and uh, it's passed on to other companies. Uh, we all set off and started our own labels, and we made a big success of it because from then come so many other offshoots, come young musicians that today, look, you, you can see where our music is now coalesced with all of the music in England and in fact over Europe and uh, across, the, uh, across the globe. Uh, first there was at number 31 Hillside in Harlesden there was a little club called 31 at number 31 Mr. Palmer had a little basement and we they opened a club there called 31 Club which it later moved on to next door from here which is the London Apollo Club. We had um, 31 we had Q Club in Parade Street, number five Parade Street. And in the West End we had uh, the twenties that became Colombo in the end. We had Bamboo Club up in Bristol and Dig Better in Birmingham. But it all was uh, offshooting from the Borough of Brent.
when one need to know about reggae events, uh, usually it goes to the record shops first, where the tickets are usually sold from there, and barber shops. And now it is more sophisticated. It's online, and it is set up present-day technology. Well, in the home was a thing called Radio Fusion. So the music in Jamaica, it was played by RGR uh, through a box with a speaker that was rented out to people that was called a Radio Fusion. But the, the real authentic reggae industry started with sound system competitions between King Edward the Giant, V Rocket, Coxon, Jukri the Chosen, Count C the Wizard, and the, the biggest hub of it was in Wellington Street in Dunham Town, where we had Chocomalon, where the Jamaica Labour Party really have its launchment from there. And I lived in like two streets away. And if I continue down North Street, I will come to Orange Street, which is the reggae street that all the reggae companies launched from Orange Street. To my left would have been Bar that had a jukebox that became Beverly's and at the back they had pianos and rehearsal rooms where groups like uh, Toots and the Matels and Pioneers and Desmond Decker, they would have been rehearsing around there and eventually they move on down to Federal Studios where they would record the music. But down Orange Street you had every producer from Bonnie Lee in 90, you had Derek Harriet, you had Rupi Edwards, Winston Riley, everybody was down on that street. That was a reggae area. Well, I have many, many favorites. Um, oh, I suppose uh, Ride the Donkey was one of my my early ones. Uh, the tenors. I re- my early years, I was impressed by Derek Morgan and Owen Gray, darling Patricia, Owen Gray, and Millie Girl on the beach, Owen Gray, and Blazing Fire, Blackhead Chiny. Those were the Derek Morgan hits. I grew up around that, and those are my early, very early influence. Well, I used to be around the record shop in 5A in Shepherd Bush Market when it was Musicland. And with Musicland, I can remember the early years. Oh, I had so many favorites, I don't know where to start. Uh, my friend used to run the shop, uh, Musicland, uh, uh, Webster Shrouder. It eventually became one of the group of music Musicland. From Musicland, it changed to Music City, which uh, was owned by, partly owned by children. Had 13 shops, and it was all operated from Brent. We had 13 Music City shops operated from 12 Nisden Lane. Nowadays, I listen to it on the internet. <laughs> uh, that is the place for it. It is being globalized, and reggae is in a beautiful place. They, you, you can see the progression from where it first started with Omanio, with Eddie Siago produced the first um, commercial, well, not really commercial, but first popular one. Omanio, uh, it was a IRL, which was a Trinidad oil company. When Siaga, the deceased prime minister, was uh, in the industry, they started off with Omanio, the first reggae, I think. And then you had um, Chris Blackwell came in and done three tracks with um, Ship Shimmy and Shake with Owen Gray. Your Eyes Are Dreaming with Jackie Edwards and Licka Sheila with Laurel Aiken. These are the ground-breaking records that really started the industry. Reggae not only influenced lovers rock or, or even the reggae. Love, reggae has now influenced all music around the world. 
they have a, a coalition that uh, metamorphosize our music into hip hop, into dancehall, into all type of music. Uh, reggae has now really gone global. It's in China, it's in Africa, it's in Asia. I happen to be the first man to introduce reggae to Thailand. Uh, I done a tour with a group called the Cimarons that came from Brent. I took a pioneers group that was a part of the Trojan from Brent. I took them to Thailand and to Japan, 1975. Then in 1976, I took reggae to Nigeria, which it became a massive, massive, massive uh, music with Eric Donaldson and Sonia Spence. Really, really big, Jimmy Cliff. I'm the first man to land it in Nigeria. I went to five states to promote it. Portacot, Calabar, Onisha, Abba, and Lagos. I personally went there and spent over a year flying around and promoting it, doing radio interviews and having it played on radios. Then uh, after Nigeria, I ended up going to Brazil on invitation of one of the Pioneers member group, Sydney Crooks, who introduced me to Brazil. Reggae is absolutely overtaking everything else in that state. I'm not saying it's overtaking samba in Brazil, but in the state of Sao Luis in Moreno, Brazil, it's called Cidade de Ege, the city of reggae. If one was to arrive in Brazil and your address is Sao Luis, Moreno, they say you're going to Cidade de Ege, the city of reggae. The clubs are called Jamaicano Brasileiros, and the restaurants are called Jamaicano Brasileiros. It's all because of our music. Business and communities support reggae from many different avenues. Uh, in Brent, you will have the barber shops, the takeaway restaurants, it will obviously the music in cars, but uh, mainly advertising on radios, the underground radios and the radio stations from Brent uh, would broadcast and advertise these things and it get the message across and the sound systems are always there from the early sound system of Count Suckland, Juke Vin, Count Steve, all this uh, make up our culture to be rich and we have really enhanced and enriched the British culture with our influence. The dancing in Jamaica, uh, it was amazing. We had wheel top dancers called, well, we had DJs that uh, created the atmosphere for a particular type of dance. We had Persham, Bap, Yakabu. These were the top dancers. And obviously, people like Owen Gray, they set examples. And the people of Jamaica invent their own dances. They are rock steady. They had scare, they had, well, twist came from America, but the Jamaica overtook it. And uh, we had Rocksteady, we had Water Pumpy, we had um, all type of da new dances evolve as the music change, and the rhythm change, the tempo change, the dance change. <laughs> we always dressed to impress. <laughs> we, we, there was a time when we had tight foot trousers, then there was a time we had bell foot trousers, and we had... Well, the ladies always come on top. They always shine through. With the, there was a time when they, there was double dress, and then there there were um, tight-fitting dresses, and then there were flare dresses. And they 
music and the people goes hand in hand, the, the, the fashion, the clothing goes along with the music. With reggae, it, you have a bounce in the step, you dance with a bounce, you walk, we used to have a walk we call bop, and when we walk, we walk and bounce and dip to the left and rise to the right. And uh, our confidence uh, of when reggae really integrate here with the skinheads, it has really made a difference in how our approach, our confidence. You, you felt proud being a Jamaican. With our music, we, we were noted as good dancers. The media, we had great difficulties uh, in terms of getting media coverage for our music. I was the, the man that walked into the radio stations to ask for plays. I was humiliated, uh, relegated. I was had doors slammed on me, and I had names like the Black and White Minstrel Show. They called me coons. They slammed doors when they see me coming in. I just could not even get into the BBC. I had to retaliate to all kind of tactics to get it there. And it was impossible to get across. We had to really push hard and put up with a lot of humiliation. It, not that it was just the BBC. It was culturally like that at that period. So the media and the generosity of plays now it's as a result of that hard push that we did back in the days. I used to go to the BBC and couldn't get in because to get in, you have to have an appointment with the producer. You can't have an appointment with the producer if he don't know you. So you couldn't get into the building. One, you need an appointment. And two, how do you get in to get the appointment? So it was hard, hard grafting, getting in. Eventually, I had to take a banner that I made up and took my car back to the security and said, if I don't get inside by next week, I'm going to be standing outside this broadcasting house with a few friends dictating that we have been ill-treated, no proportional representation, and we need our fair share of the cake. And it was going to be bad publicity. The security, I think his name was Bill, he said, yes, and after you do all this and you create the publicity chips, how are you going to get in to get a friend to invite you in? So he said, okay, put away your banner. I gave you one chance. I went in and I saw a lady with a red rose on her lapel. Her name was Doreen Davis. I didn't know who she was. I approached her and I asked for help. And I told her that I've been coming here for weeks upon weeks. And she said, I will give you a break. She took me into her office and I met a producer called Tim Blackmore, who used to do the road show. And he said, Chips, whenever you want to come, just give my name. I will always have an invitation open for you. And that is how I get into the BBC. Reggae, from the skinhead times, reggae has played a fundamental change in the youth culture. Because everybody want to walk like a Jamaican, talk like a Jamaican. We, we are people who purport to be Jamaicans who wasn't even Jamaicans because we were so hip. And we had a Caribbean flavor. Uh, reggae has impacted the youth, the youth behavior, and it has really transformed people's thinking. Reggae has integrated people where politicians was never able to do. So reggae has really break down barriers and brought about the changes that 
were necessary for today's people to be harmonious the way we are because everybody's got a Jamaican friend and everybody like to hear about the reggae music when Desmond Decker came with the Israelites uh, uh, he made a big impact big changes uh, and, uh, and um, we had a guy called George Fame who st start singing early reggae very early reggae from the 60s and it, and when he sang it he never sing an English dialect he tried to sing like a Jamaican when Prince Buster came here with, with a record called Wash Wash he, everybody was doing the Wash Wash dance that Prince Buster brought here so reggae has really have an impact on all the cultural salad that is mixed into the British culture. Reggae has played a monumental part into integrating people in the borough of Brent because I can count at least 17 small record labels and record companies that developed in Brent after the Trojan and the Palmer brothers Oh, Papa Brothers had played a big part in early reggae. And there was a man called Sonny, Rob Sonny Roberts from Arbitone. These people are the people who laid the foundation in which the integration of people in Brent. Because one, they had clubs. Two, they had record shops. Three, they had record companies. Four, they had record labels. And all kind of artists, Jamaican, British homegrown artists begin to evolve as a result of all this uh, integration. Reggae in impact and sound system in the borough of Brent has now become global because they have got international sound system competitions running. And the early start of this was from the small little clubs like 31 clubs where you had Count Shelley and, and uh, Count Suckle and Jukvin. These are the early sound system people, but the sound systems have grown different. We we used to be in the back of transit vans driving around the country playing reggae music up and down from Sarancester, Bath, Cardiff, Manchester, Liverpool, Bradford. We were up and down in vans, three o'clock in the morning in the snow, taking our music, big sound system box, and we used to sit in each other's laps driving around, spreading the music. But look what is happening now. It is globalized. You have international sound system competition running across America and everywhere. This started in Brent. No, I'm I am retired and I'm happily retired, but I still step by to give little guidance and share my experiences. I had a recording studio in 154 Rockledge Avenue where I had administrated uh, four labels. My own label is Treasure Isles, High Note, Sky Note, Carib Gems and my company has released or at least market and sell more female artists than any other reggae company in England starting from Louisa Marks and Carol Thompson Marcia Griffith Stanley Spence Judah Bowser who many 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 more Brent should be considered or must be considered to be the hub of reggae music in the United Kingdom because Brent is where the identification of Jetstar Distribution, Trojan Records, Palmer Records, Arbitron Records, my record company, Awawak Records, we all launched, Mojo Distribution, we all launched from Brent, and Brent kept the torch alight for well over 40 years. 
uh, and uh, it certainly has impacted the rest of the country and it spread across Europe and now it's in Asia it's in Africa it's in China it went to India it is everywhere but the foundation of it is as a result of the small things we were doing in the borough of Brent that has developed this phenomenon. Reggae didn't just develop from the 70s, it developed from the 50s, 60s. We had many different type of music. We had before ska, we had ska, rocksteady, reggae, dub, DJ, dancehall, and it continued. It's about eight different changes reggae have had so far. And uh, it is definitely impact the whole world that all music meet reggae partway. Now reggae is in the right place with the young audience. It is their time. In my time it was mentor, then ska, rocksteady, reggae, dancehall, DJ. Where reggae is now is at the right place because we are living in an evolving society and the young people has got their fair share of the now. And there are the beautiful, beautiful opportunities to look back and see where we're coming from before we can realize where we're really going. The borough of Brent should be proud of its heritage. It should be proud that it has really impacted the rest of the United Kingdom that spread across Europe, that spread across the world. It evolved from the fundamental basis of what happened in Brent. The far reach out, out uh, arms where reggae is globally. It was encouraged, it was harvested and planted from the activities of the people in the borough of Brent. And it should be really considered the people who survived that period should be given recognition in Brent for the part that they have played in not only Brent or Britain, but the globalization of a music and the extension of a culture. And uh, somebody somewhere need to listen to where it is coming from, to where it's gone.